Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Good morning, y'all, and good day. We got quite a lineup for y'all this week. Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe to Point Four wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us on all social channels at Point Forward so you don't miss a thing. We have a few things we want to discuss today. Everyone's obviously still got their brains wrapped around um, an amazing Super Bowl, depending on, I don't know if it was depending on who you watch. I think it was a good game from what I heard. I saw. Oh, you didn't watch the game? I'm mad. Bro, don't ask me shit like that. Wasn't it your favorite fo- football team? Yeah, so uh, the golf tournament was on, and that was giving me some peace and tranquility. So I kind of missed some of the first quarter and then, you know, trying to do some things with the six-year-old. Uh, we did watch portions of the second half while playing, what's that game called? Sorry. But then I did see the overtime. So the overtime was cool. Overtime was cool. Also this weekend, we're heading to Indianapolis for the All-Star Weekend and we'll break down the dunk contest if it is or isn't losing its flair. Then we'll continue to highlight the history of black excellence throughout the NBA with a deep dive on some of the firsts for black athletes in the league. Lastly, this is just a whole lot of GOAT talk today. Our guest on the pod this week is the one and only Ken Griffey Jr., who made us all want to bat left-handed. E.T., can you play baseball? I've never seen you swing a bat. (laughs) Yeah, boy, can I play baseball. I damn near went pro for that, for real. (laughs) Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I will say this. No no funny shit. I swear to God, I promise you, I was really good at baseball. This sound like bullshit. I'm telling you. I'm not even going to tell it. I used to steal one base. I used to steal steal two bases off one pitch. This is facts. I swear to God, this is facts. I I, I didn't say you were telling the truth. Okay, yeah, no. Nah, it so. It's very similar to your Connect Four stories. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm like, I can see why you're skeptical. <laughs> I, can see, I can see the skepticism and I understand. I'm not I'm not going to act like that's not there. So bro, I was a really good baseball player. And I was decent at soccer too. So Huh, okay. I know you can play football. I was you saw you saw the highlight. Thing. I know you can play yes. football, baseball. I wouldn't be surprised. I get hit. I couldn't catch for shit for real. They put me in right field. It was bogus as hell. It could have been racist, but I would not. I could not catch. I will say that much. Well, that's but why I they put you in right field, right? Yeah, bro. 
Yeah. You know how I go. Yeah, but other than that, I was pretty good. Could you play baseball? I hope we have the tape. I hope we have the tape somewhere. Um, I was good at baseball in real life. I was shortstop, actually. And, um, really? And I was playing backup right. catcher. And I, I was like, do not put me at catcher. But I was shortstop, and I, I had three home runs one game. One game. Really? And like over tape. the fence? Two were like over. If we, it was a boys and girls club. We ain't had no fence. But no, that, two, that's good enough, bro. You get it. I get it. Two of them was like over the fence. And then one of them was like uh, triple that turned into inside the park. Now, we went to the um, – I was actually – I was a real switch hitter. So this week's episode was like I was in my – I got excited. Because I actually bat switch, switch hitting. Oh, do you? Yeah. So I got that's two two adult examples of me being good at baseball. One is uh, we skipped practice and went to the uh, Oakland A's arena, which is attached to Oracle. Like, you can just walk down the tunnel and get there without going outside. And we had practice, and uh, Steph and Clay would pitch because Clay could throw, like, 85. Steph could throw about – Steph can throw. But we had Maurice Spates, who was, like, a 95-mile-per-hour oh, yeah. pitcher in high school. You, you said that. You said that, yeah. And I had at real home runs, right-hand and left-handed. You did? <laughs> yeah. It really, right. and then I, and then and then I'm the MVP of the JaVel McGee softball game that was held at uh, the Oakland A Stadium too. Oh, you was playing that hard, Mister. I don't like to have fun, and they I went out there and playing the hard. I was just hitting home runs, left-handed and right-handed. What was they doing? Underhanded you, pause. It was softball. I mean, I just take what they give you. I hear you, man. I I believe you could do it, G. I just. I mean, if you get, bro, it's not hard to hit the ball, fam. Like, you wanna know who can play softball or baseball for shit and it hurt my heart? Isaiah Thomas. Which one? The, the little one. So we played, uh, how do we play? That's strange. We used to do, yeah, we used to do one for the Celtics every year. Like, before the season, you play uh, a team wide softball game at like Boston at, uh, at the shit at Fenway. Yeah. So you play there or whatever, but like Isaiah couldn't catch. He dropped every <laughs> dropped every ball. <laughs> he dropped like four or five balls. At one point, people were like, bro, what the like what the hell? And then he couldn't hit for shit. And then uh when he finally did catch a ball, the whole field just started cheering. Like legit. And people were like, nah, buddy. <laughs> they gotta get buddy the fuck up off the team. <laughs> this just kept hitting to him. But um, and then and then and then he joined Spencer Hawes' team back in uh, Seattle. So he started doing like uh, softball like during the summertime, and he's historically bad. I'm talking about like so bad they were just like they were just like bro. No, they were just like no. This how I knew it wasn't a fluke. Like Spencer's like man, that motherfucker suck. And like legit, they're like everybody loves him because he's Isaiah. But he's like bro, liability, liability. My liability couldn't. He said, "I didn't understand." He said, "Made no sense." But is there anything you enjoy not doing well? It's question of the day. Oh, that's a great question, bro. Is there anything I enjoy not doing well? I don't know if there's anything I enjoy not doing well, or do I like? Am I okay with not caring? Like with Mm. the expectations of people? I think at one point. I cared a lot. I think now at this age, it's like, blah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think there's anything like not doing well. Because I comprehend, like, I don't do, if I don't do it well, I don't do it enough to not do it well. 
You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of, because someone would ask me, why don't you try this or why don't you try that? And my response would be, I don't have enough time to do what I like doing the most. So if I got free time to do anything, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I like doing. Yo, if so that makes yo, sense. That made sense. I just saw something on Instagram earlier and it was talking about the guy was like, it's like rule to be great at something. You need a hundred hours per year. So he's talking about like, yo, do it 18 minutes per day. Mm. By the end of the year, you're going to automatically, automatically be like 90 95% better than most of the world or whatever the, whatever the hell it was. And I was like, oh, them numbers don't, I don't know if they sound right, but I'm going to try that shit. 18 minutes. It sounds right to me. It sounds decent to me. Because it's all discipline. Saying. Like most people can't do yeah. something every single day that is yeah. beneficial to them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it sounds crazy. Yeah, nah, that make it nah. It it, it sound right nowadays, bro. But when you <laughs> and like it's funny, Brad Stevens always preaches that. He's like, bro, like all you gotta do is just fall in love with doing the mundane shit. It's like a lot of people just don't want to do that. When you get when you fall in love with doing that, everything else is gonna be easy. It's like anybody can show up at seven p.m. and play in front of twenty thousand people. Like that's the fun part. It's like yeah. the unfun part is like. Going through shoot around, going through walkthrough, going through all that goofy stuff mm-hmm. that solidifies 7 p.m. keeps, you know, coming. So I felt that it sounds simple, bro, but sometimes you really got to check back into what you were taught at six and seven. You know what I mean? Yeah, we need to do a. Um, I, I, I got an idea. Somebody's probably going to take it, but who cares? You get the top critics for each sport and put them through uh, that sports workout, the workouts of that sport. And yeah, see but, how good they would be. No, I think it would be a yeah, good show. No, I think it would be a great show, man. You can't, you can't take them people that serious, bro. Anytime somebody talk about some shit they know they sucked at at age 11, bro, you can't really pay attention to them motherfuckers, bro. That shit look crazy. Like, yeah. imagine, like... Yeah, but that, we understand that, which is why we got to where we, we got to, right? But the average human who listens to the critic doesn't understand that. And so this will put things in its proper perspective. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I feel you. That's real. Now you already know what it is. Point Forward is presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code Point Forward because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Point forward. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life. And that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. Of the game. For today's Heard Them Say segment, they're saying that the Kansas City Chiefs are the next great U.S. sports dynasty with three Super Bowl titles in five years and a chance to be the first team ever to 3 P. Andre, even though your team took an L yesterday and you barely saw it because uh, why would you watch your favorite team on the biggest sports day of the year? I don't know. But... Uh, do you think with this win, Pat Mahomes' legacy is sealed, or does he still have a long way to go? Like you even heard Pat say the other day, like, I don't mm-hmm. know 
what it means because Tom Brady really, you know, he beat me in the Super Bowl. But I mean, three Super Bowl wins in five years is pretty impressive, especially coming from you. And you're a dynasty, a member of a dynasty in the last great U.S. sports dynasty, which is a pretty big deal. How do you feel about that, man? Um, in today's age of sports, where we hold ourselves or where others hold us, is, I mean, you can't even enjoy it. And so I'm hoping that Pat Mahomes is able to uh, bask in his greatness because, I mean, in two years, who knows? Like football, what I learned was it's hard to be great in football. Yeah. I didn't realize that your whole roster can change from year to year. Like 40 to 60 percent, 35 to 65 percent of a roster is changed every year on every single team. So it's really, really hard to win multiple times in such a short period of time in football. So I give them a lot of credit. Um, Kelsey put on. Like, he made some big plays in that game. And then what Mahomes did in overtime, like, they looked like they were, you know, fourth and two or third and seven. Yeah, that was like, a big play. Yeah, like, big he plays. was just just making stuff big happen. Plays. And I'm like, big oh, plays. my God. And I, yeah. I think in fantasy football and I think, you know, having an affinity to one team that's playing, it's hard for you to experience, like, greatness like that because you're like, just stop them. Like, what are we doing? But when you take a step back and you really digest – what he was doing out there, especially when he needed to. It was just, it was amazing, man. He made the right play every single time. Brock Purdy looked really good, too. Yeah, he, he stepped up, too. Yeah, it was just, you know, the, the, the team that was supposed to win won because that's just the way it goes. And so kudos now, to... Go ahead. But you got to, man, you got to... For one, they didn't know the overtime rules. That's what messed them up, for one. That was, that was one dude, the fullback, right? Oh, well, whoever. For yeah. two, if you did know the rules or whatnot, and you know Pat Mahomes' body, you spoke, you taking out Pat Mahomes, bro. Pat already went in overtime thinking he's going to go get eight. That's why, you know what I mean? He's like, bro, y'all get ball first. Let's see how, pause. Let's see how long it is. Yeah, that's, I'm, 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 I'm confused. Uh, he made some big plays. Juice it. He had a big first down uh, late yeah. in the game when he dove for it. And yeah. uh, Des, Des yeah. Bryant wasn't too happy about that uh, with the new rule. Because, and and a four and also too the first touchdown shouldn't shouldn't count it. They had like a man illegal man downfield. Oh really? See, I didn't see none of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah so. but but I will say um, it was it was uh, overall. I think it was a really good game. Um, I missed the entire halftime performance, so I've heard both sides of the coin. And I saw some uh, you know the clips of it. Her was amazing with the guitar. Big fan of her. But her was really good on the guitar. I did see Jermaine Dupri's uh, ensemble. I won't call it a, a tux or a suit. Uh, did you see? Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. I did peep that. That was crazy. And uh, I mean, it's a Super Bowl, man. He's doing his thing. I don't know what was going on, bro. After Fifty Cent came back like two years ago with the little ass tank top, anything's a go. So, how was the halftime show? I thought the half-time show was lit. I was up in there dancing. I took my shirt off. Oh. I just took his shirt off. And that's and that was real. That wasn't like me trying to be funny. That was me. Like, really, it took over me, and my shirt was off, G. Like, that's how busting it was. And then, um, bro, did you see the memes about Alicia Keys, G? Okay, I thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing it up. What you, I'm talking about when... <laughs> They talking about how she was singing. I'm not talking about like that oh, Usher shit. Oh, he talking about how she was singing. <laughs> um, 
They fixed bro, it. They one, fixed it. Bro, they fixed it bro, on. One meme, bro, one meme had Usher holding her from behind and whispering, Yo ass can't sing, girl. <laughs> <laughs> they said she sang like that was the first word she said all day. It might have been. You got to save your voice for your performances. Bruh. For the Super Bowl? Bro, go check that out, G. That shit was so funny. <laughs> I mean, we all have our no, moments. You can cut this. I heard bro, it. Cut this, bro. Did you hear it? It sounded good to you? I heard it. No, bro. One know why I'm saying something? Because I loved Alicia as a kid. And I listened to Alicia nonstop. So for the fact of her like not being the strongest voice was like, then... I didn't know that because you know what I mean. I, I've seen Diary like a hundred million times, my G. Well, like, well, a Diary, um, the feature, like kind of stole Tony the show. Trump. Yeah, he kind of stole the show. But and then this isn't the nah, first time. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But, bro, are you serious? The lyrics to Diary was crazy. No, I'm saying his vocal performance. Like he had a wave for a minute just off that one song. Man, it's black folks be doing too much. Dude. Everybody like that extra part. <laughs> oh. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, the only three-time MVPs of the Super Bowl, and now uh, Mahomes. Was there anybody else who could have been in the race for MVP of the game? I feel like he mm -hmm. stole it in overtime. Yeah, I mean, who else would have got it? I, I just don't um... – I mean, the defense was – crazy on this. That's what I'm saying. Like, if anybody, I feel like the defense, I feel like Bosa, as much as Bosa was doing yesterday, I thought Bosa should have got it. Bosa was getting held the whole game. But he was doing work, bro. Yeah, and I'm saying, like, the last, the touchdown, the last one, the dude wrapped his whole arm around his neck and had him in the UFC chokehold. Uh, I got the, the play tape. Bro, the play wasn't in that long pause. The play, it happened like this, she. Literally. Second they say a hike. All you gotta do is watch it because he he came at two people and then they had him and then he spun off and he had him. Uh, maybe that wasn't a play, but it was, it was a couple of plays that I seen. I mean, but congrats I mean, to them. Go ahead. Yeah, when you go at Pat Mahomes, bro, you plan on scoring seven or eight, dog. Don't yeah. do that three point bullshit, bro. You didn't yeah. deserve to win after you did that, bro. They had to see they seen what you wanted to do. Come on, bro, stop. The PAT, the PAT, uh, got us. That, that's what that was. That's what got us. It's always a small thing. So, you know, it's like a fumble recovery or the punt hit off his teammate's foot. They recover, score the next play. Or uh, the PAT we missed after a touchdown where they kicked it too low, they blocked it. Just small things like that. And then that's when you know the tie's going to turn. I had a, a great conversation with your guy. I got to meet your guy. I've been wanting to tell you this. Who's my guy? I got to sit next to uh, two people I, I admire Joe Burrow. And the other one's a tech guy. Not too many people know about him. They didn't even know who he was sitting next to Beyonce at this Super Bowl. His name is uh, Jack Dorsey. But uh, I, I got a chance to sit next to uh, our, converse with um, Joe Burrow. Super cool dude. Super cool dude. And I mentioned that there's only one person other than Tom Brady that can beat Patrick Mahomes, and that was him. And he was like, man, you just got people play against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and they just like fear just comes out of nowhere like you know and I said look, it was the same with LeBron like when LeBron's on the court with certain like anybody besides I think the Warriors like for some reason they just couldn't get over the hump and um, I feel like that was the same thing with Patrick Mahomes but he was speaking to like yeah because 
You just what, what are you afraid of? Just go right at him. But he just keep proving us wrong. Three times, Super Bowl MVP. He's still young. Um, I think it's I think it's too early, and I don't think we should speak on where he is in history. We just got to let it play out. Like let him keep doing his thing instead of comparing him so often. Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness have come together for the ultimate drop a limited edition collection to celebrate Hennessy's continued partnership with the NBA. Because some things just go together, like Evan and myself. Hey, man, man. Remember when we met back in the day at Tim Grover's attack facility? Mm -hmm. I think it was like 08. I was finishing up my freshman year, and you were about to prepare to get that bag, right? Yes, my extension year. We met in 08. In 2010, we fast-forward to be each other's teammates. Mm -hmm. I obviously thought I was better than you. Then the first day of practice, I go baseline. And you, you Brian blocked my shot before Brian. That was Brian. a good block, G. <laughs> bro, I remember that, that. Bro, that was an amazing block. I'm looking like, bro, what just happened back there? And then I'm like thinking, to, like talking to my agent, like, bro, you just said I was better than this <laughs> Look, on the court, you're surrounded by a collection of personalities, egos, and talent. But when the pieces come together, that's when you form a great team. The same thing is true when you mix a great drink. Different ingredients come together for the first time, complementing one another to make something out of this world. And beyond the drinks, this drop with Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness celebrates the intersection of basketball with art, music, and fashion. Elements of culture that represent ways the fans and players pay homage to the game. The exclusive collection will have a limited drop available for both in retail and online. Check out at Hennessy US on Instagram for more information. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Point. Forward. Now, another big sports spectacle we're looking forward to is the NBA All-Star Weekend this weekend in Indianapolis. Um, as a former guest on the show, Jalen Brown, who I was surprised and I was thrilled to see, will be entering his first all-Star Game Dunk Contest, and he is the first All-Star to be in Dunk Contest since Victor Oladipo in 2018. I think he was Wakanda Man in one of his dunks. Oh, uh, um, he came out singing in the other dunk contest. Oh, yeah, right? he was in two dunk contests. Yeah, You're he, right. In New York. He came yeah. out singing in New York. Yeah, that was all right. Oh, that, yeah, 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 that was all right. That Rihanna was, right. was there, too. She, she was smiling off it. That was all right. <laughs> Amazing how we rate our performance based on certain reactions <laughs> but oh this is a real question for you should more stars right. enter the dunk contest is that what we're missing from that particular event over all-star game and why don't we I mean, see could, it anymore you, honestly 
I think so because I just think it's a treat for the fans. Like even when I was in high school and stuff, when I used to see the Dusty Rose used to do, and I used to be like, "Damn, I can't wait till he enters like the dunk contest." Like I think that would have been a treat just for not only like the hoop fans, but like for the other athletes. I think the same thing with LeBron. I just think there's certain people that you you definitely want to see jump. Obviously, it's not a big name, but if you're gonna put Matt McClung in there. I would have loved to see uh, DJ Stevens. He was like a 6'5 wing, like a 48-inch vert. If you guys get a chance, look up DJ Stevens, his bounce. I think that would have been crazy too. But I feel like it's a star-studded weekend, and people do want to see stars, you know, compete. I think everything, when you break it down, if a star does it, it's 10 times better. You know what I mean? Even when you look at the year, I think Anthony Simons won the dunk contest. That dunk contest with Cassius Stanley. That dunk contest is still good. It was. But people ain't appreciate shit. Like, you right. know what I mean? They're just like, this dunk contest was weak. Who the hell was that? And it was like, yo, those are Anthony Simons is a top 20 scorer right now. Like, yeah, so you're I right. think for the sake of just like the fan base and what you want to see, you got to give it gimmicks because uh I think that's the loudest voice that comes away from the from the product. When you talk about the product every year, even when you're talking to Tate, I'm like, yo, we gotta have a good all-star game. No matter if it's good, bad, or indifference. How the fans respond to it is, you know what I mean? The customer's always right in that situation. Nah, I think you're right. That's a great point, yeah. actually. That's a great point. Um, yeah. Back in the day, we would see our superstars in multiple dunk contests, not just one. And yeah. I, know you, I know you speak to, um, you know, you spoke about D. Rose. He would have been great to see. Uh, so some, <laughs> some guys I'm looking forward to see. Hopefully they'll enter the dunk contest. But another piece, I didn't want to forget this caveat. When you try to, I don't want to say make it like throw some gimmick in it, but you know, you want to have solidified NBA players, and that's no knock on anyone. But if you're gonna yeah. open up the floodgates, you gotta open up the floodgates. And I yeah. think that's why you have some guys who are reluctant to get into it. But that's something we gotta bring back, man. There's so much money and there's so much value in our all-star game as an event pillar. For the NBA, we do have to get back to that. That's why I'm happy JB's gonna yeah. do it. Yeah, but you got also too like you missed out on it trying to trying to push the Nate Robinson narrative when you wanted him yeah. to win three in a row. True, and you lost. Demar Derozan lost twice off two of the best dunks anybody ever seen. Like, yeah. You understand? What I'm saying it's like yeah. yo. Also, don't waste stars' times either. Like true, they already don't want to be doing this shit. And you show up and it might be like, hey yo, there's gonna be a. Dwight Howard's going to show up a seven-footer and dunk, but not really dunk and just throw it in the rim. Like, you understand what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, yeah. I think when it comes down to it, like, it's, it's also got to be made it worth the while. Like, one year, a D-Wade helped assist, you know what I mean? He oh, yeah. He helped assist uh, Buddy win the champion, the dunk yeah. contest. DJ. Derrick Jones Jr. Derrick yeah. Jones Jr. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's like, yo, Aaron Gordon was one of the best dunkers ever, bro. Yeah. Yeah. You know Damn. what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Okay, so, so that's all who, I'm saying. So who is our dream dunk contest for 2025? And as 2025 is the bay, and then LA is the year after that, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be mad. Not, yeah, I wouldn't Big be cities. mad about this. I still want to see Brown. No, nah, not Brown at 40. <laughs> what you mean? You see how Brown just dumped the whole world? What you mean? He's still jumping off the band, though. Anyway, all right. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Cause, cause, he, I mean, he deserves to just show up on Sundays. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Everybody right, else, come on Friday. All right, I'll say this because I know him. I think Anthony Simons is a very good dunker still. I would love to see an Anthony Simons in the dunk contest. Okay. 
I would love to see uh, I mean, Zach Levine again. <sighs> Them injuries is catching up to him. I guess. So I'm talking about in a perfect way. Anytime you windmilling from, from the free throw line, you got a 90% chance. Don, you saying me superstars. I got some names for you. Some some superstar. Who would be Paul George, I guess? Would he be a good He was in it, he was in it before. Yeah, but he I don't like long athletes dunking. Like, you know what I mean? Like Paul, like it looked too easy because like Rudy Gay, looked, Rudy Gay had a good dunk yeah. contest. His looked too easy. Yeah, it just looked like he wasn't even like uh, let me see who else. Shit, Ja Morant. Oh, easy. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Ja Morant. Ja, ja gotta Morant. get a dunk contest. I, I ja gotta ja get a dunk contest. Be, yeah. Get Fox it. have to be one. Oh, Swipe a Fox would be a good one. Yeah, it would be dope. Mm. Um, You're forgetting two people. Right. You're forgetting one person. Who's a high flyer? Name him. Who is it? Anthony Edwards. You want to see Ant Edwards? I, I don't know how great of a... I don't know how... Great, he said it himself. He's like, I'm an in-game dunker. When dudes say that, I believe I agree. it. So, so, so sometimes I'm like, if, if a dude is saying that because he would do it, he's like, bro, I'm just an in-game dunker. I can't really dunk like that. That's my only thing. He said it three times. So that's I got why you. I'm like, ah, I got you. Yeah. But you got to do it anyway because yeah, yeah. Dominique Wilkins was an in-game dunker. Yeah, that's real. That's real. I mean, and, and Jordan's, and they stole it from him in 84. They did do that. That's real. And I think, we got one more. He got, I'm making him do it. You got to do it. Mitchell? He already won it, but Donovan Mitchell would be good. He was at that contest before? He won one? He won in his rookie year back in like oh. 2017. Okay. He would be a good one. I got a kid that would be really good. Who? Jalen Green. Oh, I was just about to say that. When she said <laughs> superstars, I was, bro, he just dumped his shit out of Buddy the other day, bro. Left hand. Devontae oh, Murray. Oh, yeah, oh my yeah, God. Devontae. Right. Oh my God, room, bro! What? Where, you say he took off, trampoline? bro? It was Ooh. like this. Gee, I had it to stand up, bro. I had to stand up and do it. And like, how are you? It was spin? a spin. Like he spun off of him and then took off backwards, backwards feet with the left. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And him, bro. I had a triple double that night too. Mm-hmm. That was the first triple double. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. Yeah, you got six day. guys. You got six guys. That's a straight. That's a straight. That's a straight dunk contest. You got yeah, Ja, Ja, uh, Jalen Brown, Jalen Green, um, Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Simons, uh, Anthony yeah. Edwards. Yeah. And I know I'm. We forgetting somebody. I don't know who jumping like. Obi Toppin need to come back too. Oh, he yeah, had a good dunk contest. Yeah. He did have a good. Obi Toppin would be good. That is, I think that's it, bro. Oh, I think that might. JK got getting dunk contest. Jonathan Kaminga. Oh, Kaminga. He's that's an in-game dunker. He an in-game dunker, yeah. but he he twenty years old. Go figure out how to do some crazy dunks. That's real. And he's a soccer guy. That. He can figure out how to bounce a ball off his head and go dunk it or do something. That'd be a good dunk contest. That's real. I'm yes. into that. Dunk contest winner odds for our DraftKings odds of the week. Uh, Mac McClung is the favorite, followed by Jalen Brown. Jacob Toppin, which is O.B. Toppin's brother. Jaime Hotkiss Jr. is the least favorite at plus 500. But um, I didn't know he had bounced like that. I've been seeing him with some dope, some dope, dope, dope Highlights. dunks. Yeah. yeah, this year. He caught a couple lobs. He's been finishing over a few people. Um, so uh, that contest is, uh, it'll be interesting this year. But in San Fran and L.A., um, that, that's my duty to get the dunk contest back jumping. For the next two years. Hopefully JB wins it so he can come back and defend it. 
Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code POINT4. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code POINT4. The crown is yours. Point. Forward. For this week's That's a Bar, Lakers GM Rob Palenka, also Andre's old agent, weighs in on their approach to the trade deadline. We're not fearful of using future assets for now. It's just got to be using future assets for now in the right way, in the right deal. So, Dre, considering that, when you, when you break it down and you say, like, we're not, obviously there wasn't much on the trademark if you think about it, but when you, when you look at it in that term, is that kind of saying like, well, shit, we might not just win this year. It might be next year we have to hold off and win next year and see what we got with this team currently. Right. Is that like the smartest way of doing it without forcing your hand in that sense? Because obviously there's a couple of people that are trying to make trades for it that didn't really move the needle. That made no sense. Like Murray from uh, Atlanta. They weren't, yeah, from Atlanta. I didn't really see that happening or that really making a big jump for them. I mean... Rob is very strategic. I think they've always positioned themselves to be better going forward at the right time. Like timing is everything. So if it's not the right move right now and you look back in December of next next season and you say that was a bad trade, it was rushed to try to win it last year and we didn't win it last year, which is right now, then you you know. You're going to be pissed. And so if no one really puts you in a position to really go after a title, then you're kind of like sitting in that middle tier. You know, I think they're ninth in the West right now, eighth, ninth. And so they're Mm -hmm. sitting right there. And anything can happen in the West, but I think you have a lot of possibilities this this summer. And I mean a lot of possibilities this summer in terms of, in terms of, you know, extensions, free agents, you never know what teams might just decide like it's over or we need to do, you know, a revamp. I think uh, I heard something funny on ESPN. Uh, somebody said Chicago is rebuilding, but they just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you always have a couple of teams that fall in that bucket, like a rebuilding team. The team just doesn't know they're rebuilding. And so you can you can make some moves. I know, you know, um, DeMar's name has always been thrown um, in connection to the Lakers. Um, you know, it's quieted down. But uh, I think you got to look at salary caps as well. Um, could LeBron leave if you don't make a move? Like, realistically, you think about that at the same time. Uh, I mean, who has cap space? You know, you got two tiers now. The apron, uh, first apron, second apron. This is the first time we'll be in a uh, free agency under the new CBA rules in terms of the salary cap and the aprons. Um, so it's going to, you know, really determine um, how this new system is going to work going forward and how, you know, teams are looking at being strategic around it. Um, so, you know, Rob, Rob is always a person who's trying to think uh, short and long term at the same time, which is, is pretty tall task in itself. Um, so. You know, I guess we'll see. Do the Lakers have a real shot right now in your mind? I think with Brian, you always have a, a chance, especially yeah. considering when you, when you, when you uh, do the one-game situations, obviously. I don't know. 
you know, at the way that the Denver Nuggets are really playing at this high level, they're definitely like the team to beat, especially coming out of the West, in my opinion, or even the Clippers, man. That's a tough team to see four times. I just know for sure, you know, you always got to give Brown a chance in a, a four-game series. And I think that's probably what Rob is really doing, too, of being like, well, does this really move the needle or can Brian and AD really get this – the certain series get one with the help of uh, these new trades or not. You know what I mean? And right. I think Dinwiddie can help a little bit. But other than that, I don't really see them getting you know switched up. If I'm with the Lakers, I'm trying to make a big move that will give me someone who can kind of take the, the, the torch from LeBron in his last year or two. So pairing him up with a superstar that can kind of carry the torch. So I'm thinking of I'm thinking of how I can maneuver that this summer as yeah, well. It, like that's the big yeah, thing to me. Yeah, I just wonder who that is, who is that. Yeah, I have no idea. Myself. I don't. I don't. Yeah, what are you gonna package them up? You gonna package up AD and three of them? No, I mean, yeah, you have three guys, and and you look for. I'm AD just saying, like the and, three first, they got three first round picks this summer, don't they? Yeah, yeah, you package them up. I mean, or, or futures if, first round picks. If the Celtics don't win. If the Celtics don't win it this year, like when do they say, hey, the, you know, there's always grumblings about no, that duo. Have, like, I'm, I'm just going to state it because I'm fans of both of the guys. Both of them are my guys, but you just keep hearing it at some point. Like, they got to win it this year. Like, when is, the, when is their talk starting, clock starting to tick? You know, it's similar to OKC with yeah, but, uh, KD and Russ. Uh, no, you're absolutely right, man. But sometimes those rumblings, and what people think and like it should have happened and then like what you know bro like right now it's like when Jamal Murray don't get his credit as one of the top guards like it's just people just forgetting like the Nuggets is not no easy go and then when you have to go play them in Denver in that altitude G is even more of a cheat code and, and Yoga's just I think it's PER he just passed MJ for like the best PER of all time you know what I mean? Like that's impressive. Like, in, I didn't know yeah, that. In the rec- yeah, so like this is stuff they're not telling you. So when it's coming down to it, and it's like, what you want to do? Shoot yourself in the foot? I, who would I trade Jalen Brown for? For a bucker? Like I'm, I'm going to go get another one. I'm not going to go get a lesser. I'm going to go get the exact same thing and see who we went in with. Mm-hmm. And one thing they be forgetting about is like, bro, like Jimmy, like Steph, KD, and all them, they're doing it for that long pause. Like even when you look at like. When KD is done and say if Buck and Bill were still playing together, what would Tatum and Brown do to Buck and Bill in the head up? Punish him. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. So it's like, man, it, are they are they busy? Are, are they trying to take the lead or are they just stuck in current? Like, you know what I mean? And being uh-huh. like, all right, bro, this shit going to muddy up, but we're going to get two or three. But it's don't, don't sleep on the Nuggets, man. The Nuggets is everything and more. And Malone yeah. coaching his ass off and Jokic and, bro, Jamal Murray is a 1B. He's not a 1A. He giving a lot of yeah. – he giving a lot. And he every time somebody walk in, he giving them 30-something along with Buddy. He do so, that. And when, and, and when Bruce Brown come back next year, they're going to have the, the, the trap right back jumping. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, but it's the no, truth. You're right. That's, that's no, a, he, that's he had a crack. Team. They talking about, like, yeah, what's up with the duo? It's like, nah, bro, like – you go put a weight vest on and go play three games in Denver. Yeah. Versus, versus that offense. Bro, that shit is a cheat code. Point. Forward. We're now deep into the month of February, which means we've all been actively celebrating Black History Month. With the exception of myself, which is every day. It is one of my favorite times of the year because we are celebrating Black excellence and highlighting the journey of our people all month long. 
Knowing your history and where you come from is very important to me. Now, let's take a look back on some great highlights from some of our pioneers. Earl Lloyd, which is the name most of us know, first black player to play in the NBA, which was Halloween 1950 for the Syracuse Nationals. He went on to play over 500 games and won an NBA title in the year, the 54-55 season. Don Barksdale, which brings up memories of The Wire. In 1953, as a member of the Boston Celtics, he became the first African-American to be named to the All-Star team. Also, he became the first African-American to make the USA Olympic team and capture gold. Wayne Embry, very, very familiar name. He was the original... After I give you this take, E.T., I want you to give me the who's the version of him today. Wayne Embry, the first black GM in league history for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was nicknamed The Wall for his draft picks. During his tenure, he drafted Dr. J, Alex mm. English, Marcus Johnson, mm. and Sidney mm. Moncrief. That is a crazy. That is OD. That crazy. Is, we should know more yeah, we should know more about him because that's OD. Oh, my that, God. If he, if he did that in today's age, they would he would went to a new team and got ownership. Yep. All, <laughs> the love, all the love that Bob Myers gets. <laughs> he would have got that, bro. That's he crazy, got. bro. That's cra- that sound like you saying who that sound like? Bob Myers, right? They on Bob Myers' ass right now, though, for what he said um, last what week. What did he say? He said, uh, well, he didn't say anything technically wrong. He said Kevin Durant was the best player in two finals that um, featured Kevin uh, featured LeBron James and Steph Curry. Um, so I think the people in the Bay just don't like any credit being taken away from Steph and what Steph was able to do. I don't know, G. Like, Katie, Katie's just not supposed to be part of that conversation, fam. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? It'd be like, this is a one-on-one conversation, and now Katie joined in. It's like, yeah, he's the best. It's like, I guess, bro, like, who Brian's supposed to worry about, Kevin or Steph? Like, you know what I mean? Man, we was worried about Kyrie. Nightmares. No, I feel you, bro. I'm just, but I'm just saying, bro, like, it's so much, like, stress removed when KD joins y'all, bro. Pressure is a real thing. That's like when you go from college and you shoot in the one-and-ones, they're going to, like, automatically shooting, like, the double bonus. It's like, bro, that True. pressure, is a, that pressure is a real thing, and there's a reason why you never were able to do it again. Like, you understand what I'm saying? But we're going to look back on history the same way we're looking back right now on Wayne Embry and how great he was in 30, no. 40 years <laughs> You and I are going to be talking about, if we're still here, we will be I'm talking about a report. how good Kyrie is historically. Like, I don't, I don't know if there are oh, too yeah. many basketball players better than Kyrie Irving. And for some reason, we always go through our um, decades or centuries or we go through our time zones where we just don't want to give certain people credit. That's life, man. It's life, but all right, act like... Act like Kyrie was Kyrie. Also, Violet Palmer, first black female referee. Violet was super cool, too. Like, you actually have a conversation with her, which uh, you cannot do anymore. Fines are up. Texts are up. Bill Russell, first black MVP award winner. He averaged 16 and 22. Mm. Question, are we allowed to be critical of our pioneers and the shortcomings of their game? Because we do it to the young Fellas, but can yeah, we why, do it to the? Yeah, why not? Because I watched a, a documentary on Bill Russell, and I wouldn't say he was a skilled 
basketball player in the sense of how we define skilled basketball players, but he was the ultimate winner, probably the greatest winner of all time above Tom Brady and probably uh, very high IQ and a human being. And so you can be critical of folks. Yeah, he won two rings as a player coach as well. So he was the first black head coach. Actually, I didn't know that. He was the first black head coach. Wow. He took over the role as a a player coach after Red Auerbach retired. And he was the first black head coach to win an NBA title. Like you said, he won two as a player. So it's interesting for Boston to be the Boston we know. That's where the first black, a lot of things happen as I'm looking back and I'm seeing. But I think they knew the only way we can win is to bring them in. Um, (laughs) This is true. And so... I wanted to ask you this question. I've been thinking about this since last night. How does one become player coach? And how many minutes is Evan Turner playing as the player coach? Man, I'm giving myself a smooth 35. That's how honorable. Many, how many shot attempts you get? Shit, 35. So let's just say we split up 35, 36 minutes over four quarters. It's nine minutes per quarter. Five. Give me about 20. Give me about 20, 21. Ah! Yeah, I get about 21, 21 shots. Five shots a quarter, just so you know I'm up in the building. How about you? What you doing? Um, you, you, you playing the whole 48? Who team am I on? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like when people play 43 minutes, you might as well play the whole 48. I never got when people be like, yeah, I'm averaging 42 a game. Like, bro, you might as well just stay out there and rest. No, you need the minutes. I remember I averaged 40 minutes a couple of times, but I never, looking back, I never really thought, like, I need a break or I never really thought I'm in for a long time. I don't, I, I, I'm thinking back, like, when did I get my breaks? But then now, you know, as I got older, I was like, man, put me in when it matters. Don't be, Don't waste my time. Don't waste my time. That's Just real. put me in. Right. Like, let me get a rhythm. No, that's real. And then put me in when it matters. So when it get real, all right, cool, I'll go in. But don't be subbing me out after I miss a shot. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't take that. You sub me out after I miss a shot, I'm liable to keep running to the locker room. I catch y'all tomorrow at practice. <laughs> yeah, if that's the case, man. We like, what? So when we start saying that, you know what I mean? Like, that's just a crazy. And then you sit there, you watch one nigga shoot 48 feet out. And you'll be like, damn, G, so this is better than my mismatch post up? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you be like, all right, whatever, G. Rock out. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. V-A-N-29.com. Point. Forward. 
We were fortunate enough to sit down with King Griffey Jr. to talk about his life and incredible rise to greatness. Um, obviously, we spoke earlier about uh, me being a switch hitter on the baseball field and E.T.'s um, confidence in the sport as well, similar to his Bruh. confidence on the Connect Four grid. Okay, so look, so, so, all right, that. The kid I used to play with, pause. He's a current beat writer for the White Sox. Oh. This is facts. So kid you not. Damn, what my man is John Stankovitz. That's his name. John Whoa. Stankovitz. So I'm going All right, I'm gonna go on Twitter. I'm gonna hit him up. I'm like, bro, can you just please tell your dad or just 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 vouch, bro? I, I bet like six something. That's why I didn't want to tell you. It sounded like a lie. That's what I'm trying to tell. <laughs> That's why I didn't want to tell you. I might rather sound like T-ball? Was this T-ball? No, nah, bro. I was 12, and I was, I was playing in the white areas, too. So you know them boys is playing baseball. They could play some ball. Yeah, that's when they could play some ball. And I was out there playing some ball, G, in between. We went 15-0 and got blew out in the playoffs. All right, I'm done. That's usually how it went. That's how it went. They beat the shit out of us. Uh, we are here with... Uh... Someone who made me like really dream as a kid, like it's kind of strange. It's only a handful of guys who um, I idolized. Uh, I feel like he should have some shares in Disney who owns ESPN because uh, he was the reason why I watched SportsCenter in the summertime. <laughs> That's right. Over and over and over. Uh, everybody welcome Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? What's up? What's going on with you? How you been? What's What's been new ever since uh, you know you stopped hitting home runs? I heard you picked up the the camera. You are doing a hell of a job with uh, photographing. Oh no, I've been I've I've had a camera in my hands uh, for a while. Uh, it's just that nobody gets to see me. You know, when you retire, you can sort of blend in and and uh, uh, do things. I mean, I picked up a camera because I wanted to be able to watch my kids play. And that was a way of me sitting there focusing on them and seeing what they were doing right and wrong. Uh, not so much documenting it, but just being able to to be a dad, uh, which is sometimes tough when you're in the spotlight. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. I hang out with Andre. We can't do anything without people going crazy. But, um, you know, you're arguably one of the greatest baseball players of all time and a lot of people's, you know, childhood heroes in regards to the tone you set and, like, just the overall swagger. I mean, you're junior. What was that like growing up? And sometimes, like, when you walked away from the game, was that – was little things of just showing up to, like, normal events and everything, is that kind of, like, therapeutic or, like, getting out the spotlight? Was that something you always was just like, I can't wait till this is done and I could just go no, be a fan? I, it, it comes with the territory. Uh, you know, there's there's certain times where, you know, I just need to be dad, and I think people have to, to respect that. And uh, But for the most part, you understand when you leave – your house, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, with the kids and, and things like that and, you know, whether it's like dad's donut day or father, daughter, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, my daughter was the one who was like, why are they bothering you? You're with me. And I was and she's like five at the time. <laughs> oh, I got a six year old and she told my mother we were in the uh, car. Been there. We were right. We were in the car riding home from school and my phone kept ringing. And it was my mom was the last call. And she was like, well, y'all stop disrupting us. 
Like, daddy's with me. We'll call you back. Bye. I'm like, girl, you can't talk like that to grandma. And it's funny because grandparents are totally different than the parents we grew up with. Like, my mom used to whoop our behinds. But now, my six-year-old can just get away with telling her to get off the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I remind my dad all the time, he is not the same man that raised me. <laughs> and he starts laughing. Because one day, uh, Trey was probably, oh nine and he was him and my dad were riding and my mom was in the car and my dad said something he was like he turned around looking at my dad said hey you're not gonna treat me like you treated my dad oh. <laughs> my mom starts laughing my dad was looking at him like i was like oh it ain't gonna look it, it ain't gonna end well for you but they can do certain certain things i mean Trey was three. He drew on my mom's couch Ooh. she had a white she had a white couch that she got in 1978 from Japan, mm. and he took a blue sharpie and drew all over it. And all I could say is, I looked at my mom and looked at Trey. I said, "I'm gonna take this butt whooping this one time for you." <laughs> and she was like, "He's such a little Picasso." And I'm over there like, oh. "I just signed my death certificate. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Picasso." <laughs> So, so we all have something in common. We're all parents, and clearly, you know, Dre has a son that's playing uh, sports. You've had two kids go to University of Arizona, Dre's alma mater. Mm -hmm. When it comes down to just being a parent in a, you know, overall support system, what was it like, you know, how involved were you in their sports? Or were you just showing up to the to stands as a fan and just not trying to put any type of pressure on them? No, I, I don't put any pressure on my, my kids as far as uh, uh, what they do. Um, and what I mean by that, the, uh, their overall effort is what I care about. Because mm -hmm. you give me an effort – on the field, you're going to give me an effort off the field. You're going to give me an effort in life. Um, you can see how kids are when they're up by 20, if they showboating and things like that, or if they're down by 20 and they still grinding. That's the kid that I want. They still want to go out there and battle. Uh, you know, the guys who are up by 20 showboating all the time, you know, it depends on the circumstances when you do it. But for the most part, I want that kid that's going to be there all the time. But you know, I try to I try to allow the coaches to coach. Yeah. Um, but also have to be dad. You know, and I know the pitfalls of of being a a father now a father, and I, I was the son of a professional athlete. So I see all the little you know sly comments that these coaches make when they don't want to coach a child because let's fake it. Some of these guys, their careers didn't go so well. And they can't take it out on me, and they can't take it out on you guys, but they can take it out on a, a kid that all he wants to do is go out there and play. Mm -hmm. And that's so sad that our society is like that, that they're going to take it out on someone who just wants to go out there and prove that he belongs here. And, you know, I've seen it uh, over and over and over again uh, to my kids, to other kids. You know, you know I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, Trey, Taryn, and Tevin, it's not a feel-good story if they do something. But it's a feel-good story if, you know, this kid is, you know, his dad is in jail, his mom is this, and he, you know, but I can't shoot a jump shot for my kids. I can't run a, a, a route for my kid. I can't catch a fly ball for my kid. So all I want them is to be out there and, and be known as, one of them be known for them, yeah. not for me. But it's sometimes difficult that, you know, they, they can compare, you know, 
me to them. Yeah. Well, name me 15 baseball players that you can compare me to. You know that you know. So why are you gonna you know go, because we have the same last name? Yeah. You know it, it's tough. I mean, you look at you know Michael Jordan's kids mm-hmm. getting compared to Michael. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at Bo Outlaw's son. You know, I, I look at all these kids who 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 just want to be kids and go out there and play the game and be compared to them. I mean, media they don't like being compared. Yeah. I remember when, oh, who was it? Uh, Bobby Knight went after Jeremy Schapp. Mm-hmm. You want your, you like your, your dad? Yeah. Dad. Yeah. yeah. And, and they didn't like it. So, <laughs> you know, if they don't like it, can you imagine what a, a 13 through 20 year old it feels the same way? I mean, just be. Just be fair. That's all, you know, I think as an athlete, that's all we care about yeah. is the fairness of, of day in and day out. Well, you talked about earlier discussing with your kids growing up with a father that was a famous athlete and a professional athlete, but you also had the same uh, the same luck. You watched your father win back-to-back uh, um, World Series with the Cincinnati Reds. Talk about the upbringing and being, you know, junior, the kid, before becoming the man. No, my dad was was a dad. He just let me be a kid. It was no, hey, you've got to play this. My brother played at Ohio State, played college football. Uh, I got a cousin who broke Tony Dorsett's high school rushing records. You know, uh, Terrell Pryor, quarterback. I mean, the list goes on. I got a, a nephew at, at Fresno State, you know, who who is a cornerback. I mean, uh, my dad is that dad that just like, hey, y'all go out there and, and carve your own path. And whatever I can do to help, you know, uh, I'm here. And he helped you negotiate your first contract with the Mariners, correct? Uh, yeah, and and I'm still waiting. He's still waiting on his three <laughs> <laughs> no, percent. But I tell him he's just dad. Yeah, he can't yeah, take yeah, my that's money off the strength, huh? <laughs> right. That, that's part of the deal. <laughs> so you know, me freshly being retired. What's what was I mean, it like? You, for you? you put on a suit real quick. <laughs> I ain't used to that. <laughs> so so what was it like for you? You know, I think people don't understand. I don't want to call it trauma, but the traumas of being a professional athlete, and then that your lifestyle just completely changing, regardless of how much money you saved up or not, when you're out of the game. And so, what's that first like year like for you? And what what did you do? And what would you have done differently? in terms of how you transitioned out the game? Well, um, I, when I retired, it was the middle of the season, and I went straight into uh, AAU girls basketball because that's the high point of the season. Mm-hmm. So I literally um, bought an RV because I said, you know, I am not staying in some of these hotels. <laughs> uh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, <you> bad. <laughs> yeah. So, uh so I bought an RV um uh, and traveled around and was just a dad. I mean, it was funny. It's like all the dads was like I get there early enough cuz you know, you're playing 5 and 6 games a day. Yeah. And and people, you know, the the traveling to and from, you know, the, the hotel back to the, the gym, back to the hotel to get something to eat. I was like, I'm not doing all that. I'm going to sit here and, you know, somebody, 
sometimes, you know, college football is basketball being played. I want to watch sports, too. Mm. So, uh, you know, I sat there. And my first trip, I could tell you, it was Atlanta, Tennessee, Chicago, back to Atlanta. Uh, then it went to New Orleans and then Augusta. Augusta, yeah. That, 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 yep. that was my introduction to AAU girls basketball. And I was like, and I looked at my wife, I was like, you did all this without me? She was like, yeah, for the last four years. I was like, ooh. <laughs> and then I started thinking, maybe I do want to go back playing baseball. It's much easier. <laughs> it, it's, it's different because you, you're sitting there going, you know, like you said, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because it is, you know, one day you're, you're in uniform and the next day you're sitting there going, okay. Uh, I did tease my friends because they were, you know, every day that, you know, 4th of July, that they would be waiting on me to go to the ballpark and be out there in their robes, waving to me as I'm going to the ballpark while they uh, uh, get ready to start barbecuing. <laughs> so I did the same to them, but I did it for a week straight while they was going to work after the 4th of July. <laughs> right, gotcha. Get up and wonder like, Hey, yeah, I'll see y'all when y'all get back. But, uh, you know, having, you know, a support network is, is probably the, the most important thing. Cause it is a, it's a shock. I mean, yeah. You know, I've been playing baseball since I was three, and all of a sudden at age 40, I'm done. You know, I'm coming home, and you're just sitting there like, okay, what's next? Uh, and, you know, I own car dealerships, so I was, you know, okay as far as being able to do something. Mm-hmm. But just the, the fact, I mean, it took me a good four months to, to finally set in. And, but and- I still had the attitude of – you know, January 1st that I was still get ready to go back to playing baseball. And it literally took me five years to break that. Oh. Finally, Melissa looked at me and said, look, man, you ain't going back to playing baseball. So this attitude that you have January 1st has got to stop. <laughs> but it is kind of ingrained in you. Yeah. I mean, you played 22 years in the major league. <laughs> and you went, didn't you win, like, comeback player of the year in, like, year 16? 18. 18. 18. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most people are on a victory tour, so it kind of it says everything that occurs with you. Right. I wanted to go back and ask you a question because co- we can correlate it to basketball, but right now you know LeBron James, a great athlete. For the past four or five years, he's been lobbying and screaming about how much he wants to play in the NBA on the same team as, as his son. Mm-hmm. And considering you and your father kind of been there and done that, how do you feel about that situation? Is there any advice you can give, like be careful what you wish for? And how was it when you no. and your father played? No, I had an absolute blast with my dad. Yeah. Uh, he paid for all the lunches and dinners. <laughs> that was number one. I told him he was Mr. Provider. But, you know, when he got released from the Reds and he actually asked me, he said, hey, the Mariners are, are interested. Um, the decision is up to you, but they want me to come play. And I'm going to leave it up to you. And I was like, I would love for you to come play. Yeah. And he said, if not, if you don't want that, then I'll retire. But to have my dad in the same clubhouse where I can really sit there and, and learn about the game of baseball. Uh, people look at it. If you look at when my, the, my first year and I had great mentors, you know, Harold Reynolds, Alvin Davis, Mickey Brantley. Let's see, Harold, Al, Val, Dave, uh, uh, Jeffrey Leonard, 
uh, all these guys were in my corner every day. Uh, the training staff, Rick Griffin and his crew, uh, you know, and had great teammates, you know, with Jay and Edgar. Um, and then later on, Dan Wilson. I mean, these guys were always in my corner. But, you know, at 19, you know, you don't know anything. You're just playing on pure instincts and adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And when my dad got there, I could actually see what it was like to, to be a pro. Yeah. And if you look at my three, four, and five years, I went from he could play to, oh, he can really play. Yeah. And it was all because of me being able to watch him and understand, oh, this is what you do in certain situations. I can set this guy up. Okay, I can do this. And that's when you uh, – It was during all that because time, of him. Is that, during that time, is that when you changed your uh, swing? I know you said that you uh, used to posture down a little bit, and when you realized you started standing up more, you started adding 40 feet to each each swing. Yeah, uh, it was just – I mean, I, you know, I patented my game so much uh, like my dad that it – you know, from the, the, the batting stance until I stood up one day and and started hitting the ball left field 40 feet further. I was like, well, I'm going to stay right here. Just to, just hang on. And, you know, and, and people think that it's just like, oh, you didn't work at it. Yeah, I, I had to work at it. I, you just don't show up and be like, oh, okay. I mean, but there's certain pitches that, you know, I couldn't hit, that I couldn't drive which was the ball low, you know, low and away, where before I could get to that ball, hit it down the left field line and, you know, get a double out of it. Now I just lay off that pitch because it's a ball anyway. And, you know, he's got to bring the ball up and I can hit it out. Well, while you're still on the topic of baseball, you said you didn't feel any crazy, crazy pressure because of the support system you had. But let's go back to when you were drafted you're drafted to the Seattle Mariners as like the number one pick for a franchise team out of high school out of high school yeah yeah but uh, i mean there was 20 years of guys that were drafted before me yeah out of high school uh Darnell Coles was another one yeah. you know uh, uh you know um every year there's a first round pick yeah right. you know every year there's a 1-1 one, one. um you know, I just happened to, to be that year. And, you know, like I said, there was really no pressure yeah. uh, by my dad, my mom. Uh, uh, you know, the internal uh, of growing up is probably the, the, you know, the things that, hey, you're now a professional athlete. There's things that you can't and can't do, can and can't do now. You know, and one of them is going to play, you know, tackle football outside in the snow in December with your friends when they doing it. <laughs> it's interesting because I never knew that you were this football player and you got a scholarship to the University of Michigan. Well, I like to, you know, I mean, think about this. I grew up, I was born in a town that's a half an hour from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yes. you know, it's, it's a, you know, everything is football there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, you look at Michael's first love is baseball. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, AI's first love is football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody has a a, a, a love. Devontae and, and Adams' first love is of, basketball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the, you know, these guys, you know, we love to play sports, and, and just because you're good at something doesn't mean that it's going to work out for you. Um, for me, you know, I just I looked at it, it was like. I got a chance to be one, one. My dad was, 
you know, 29th round or 20 something, I'm going to say 29th, 24th or 29th round. Mm. And, you know, one of the last people picked in that era, you know, in that draft. And, you know, for me to, to say, Hey, I, I'm a one, one meant a lot because I know how much that he put in it and I put in it as a, as a kid, you know, him, Hey, we're going to go out there. You're going to do this. Uh, I was a pitcher first baseman. Like I only played two years of high school baseball. I only played, you know, three years of outfield before I got drafted. I was a pitcher first baseman before that. And y'all had that look. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, no, no you, you just moving. You just moving the way you do in the outfield. I figured like it's so natural. You running the walls. I figured you've been practicing that mm. for quite some time. You just, I bet you said it earlier. You just playing off adrenaline and feel. And so I go back to sports have become so specialized, and you don't see, you know, the players who are a lot of football players get drafted in baseball, or you got some baseball players who play quarterback. There were a lot of multi-sport athletes who could transition their abilities to different sports and now it's become more specialized but then we're seeing a lot of different types of injuries than we did like we didn't have any of the athletic training or any of this technology that we had when we growing up and now all these kids have access to it but we're seeing a lot of injuries and a lot of kids being you know overdeveloped or overused when when they get to the pros and so like what's your feeling on you know being a multi-sport athlete felt like you had great play everything play everything yep you know, uh, um, we had a kid on, you know, our football team who was on a national soccer team. And I told our coach, all he got to do is show up on Friday <laughs> because you, you want to give kids options. I mean, and, you know, that's the, the thing is like I have a, a, a big problem when the head coach of a summer ball AAU is, is now driving a better car than 90% of the guys that, that he's coaching or the, the kids that the parents car. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, that's a bad example. I understand that. Yeah, it's a big business and something, but you know, to me, you know, I show up when I coach pop Warner football, I showed up in a Jeep. I didn't want people to know. I mean, everybody knew that I had a better car and other cars, but, um, I wanted everybody to know, Hey, I'm just like everybody else. I, my equipment goes in here and we're going to roll with it. But, you know, my football worked on my, my, my moves for my, my basketball. My basketball worked on the, the quickness for baseball. So I, we cross trained all year mm-hmm. and kids are not cross training in all year. And, you know, you're seeing these guys, you know, little leaguers who are throwing, you know, 40, 50 games in the season. And you don't even see big league guys doing that. This week on The Pitch, we're breaking form and introducing a new segment on our show called The Exit. You had your first exit at 18 years old, your second at 24. And then six months later, you start another company. This one's called Shipped. The company just exploded overnight. And then you realize, all right, we need more money. So you went out to Sand Hill Road. I'm not a West Coast type I didn't have a feel for the game, but I figured it out really fast. What did you think when you threw out the number? It is very easy to get distracted and excited and thinking about what you're going to do with your millions. I ran the company out of money. I know my CFO and everybody was thinking, this is nuts. Oh, shit. (laughs) Do you have any regrets 
about Shipped? How Bill Smith, a high school dropout from Birmingham, Alabama, started, scaled, and sold his startup for $550 million in three years. That's this week. Go right now and subscribe to The Pitch wherever you listen to podcasts. Right. So speaking of, you know, you talked about cross-training, which has me thinking about, you know, you were, you did something, you were right in that era where Nike told stories around their athletes and you were able to just open up a, a, a huge market, you and Bo Jackson. Um, and we talk about, you know, your image um, in terms of your trademark, uh, you know, your hat, wearing it backwards and the swing, man. When you were playing, how involved were you with that? And, you know, your thought process around protecting that, that image. Because as, you know, as athletes nowadays, name, image, and likeness is a big thing. You know, the brands, everything. And it felt like in your day, it wasn't about the brand. It was the production that made the brand. Now it feels like the brand is made and then it's like you're trying to produce to live up to it. Where, you know, nah. so just talk about yeah, kind of like how you. I'm with you on that. I'm yeah. with you on that. Like, like. Uh, you know, nowadays, you know, hey, we're we're gonna play off potential. I mean, it took me five years, six years to get a shoe, mm-hmm. and now guys want them after day one, out the gate. Yeah, uh, um, you know, I had to earn everything. You know, and it's a little tougher for me because people always thought that, you know, hey, you earned it. I mean, your dad gave you everything. No, he made me earn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the same thing that goes in my house. My kids, you know, they got to earn it. It's not going to be given to you. You know, the only thing that's going to be fair is what happens in my house. Outside these houses is not fair. That's mm-hmm. the only thing, the advice that I give my kids. But, oh, yeah, it's it's. I I used to tease Jay Buner used to tease me like if I go like oh for two oh for three he'd be like what you selling because uh, <laughs> everything was for sale you know you get a couple of hits you may buy some but you know it's it's a you know it's a matter of I uh, I had to produce day in and day out and I, I had I didn't have the luxury of some of the the guys on the the field you know if I go oh for four it's going to be in the paper you know and people always wonder you know I. People wonder, they ask me, hey, do, have you ever had a big moment? And I go, no. Mm-hmm. They go, you've never had a big moment. And I have to explain to every at bat, every fly ball, every time I'm on the base is a big moment. Because I'm getting the best that these guys are offering day in and day out. Nobody's going to sit there and go, oh, he's 0 for 2. Let me throw this 84-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle and see how far I can hit it. Right. They're trying to make me 0 for 3, 0 for 4. And they know you know, where I'm at in the order. So I'm that guy that you're not going to let beat, beat you. So I know that I got to pick and choose my spots, uh, uh, you know, to expand the zone to see if I can hit a ball out to tie it up. But I'm getting the best day in and day out every day. And, and you can see the guys now. I mean, we can go on. Ain't nobody going to sit there and go, hey, uh, Steph is one for 13. I'm going to go ahead and let him shoot this three. Right. No. They try, they go get on them. You know, same thing with LeBron, same thing with, with Mike, same thing with, you know, a lot of guys that have played this game, you know, the greats that played, you know, each sport, they're not going to sit there and go, Hey, this is a big moment. No, because every time they touch the ball, it's a big moment. 
I got a question. I got. You're so humble in how you carry yourself. You know, you it, it never felt like you thought of yourself as above anyone. But we here we speak a lot to your ego in a good way. Like you need your ego. Sometimes you got to build yourself up, especially in slumps with all the hard work you put in. So, what was your disposition like in terms of how you saw yourself uh, amongst the greats while you were playing? Did you realize the impact you had, and did you realize how good you were? Um. Yeah, I knew how good I was at an early age, uh, you know, as far as I was better than everybody on the team. But it didn't hit me until my dad sat me down when I was 20. He goes, look, I played with some of the best players in the world, and you are far better than them. Now, what does that unlock? (laughs) That's crazy. I was just looking at him like, you know, I was sitting there like, is he saying that to just help my confidence, or is he saying it? To, that he really means it. And he was like, and he started naming off names. He said, I have never got so many fastballs and, and, and pitches to hit and sitting anywhere in a batting order until I got in front of you. Hmm. And I was just sitting there like, okay, now I understand what I can do. And he was like, you can do certain things. And he, he would give me little, little, uh, 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 little breadcrumbs. You know, like going through the streak of eight in a row, he would just say, you got one pitch a day mm. and don't miss it. Mm. And that's the, 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 the hardest thing to, to try to teach because you can go out there in basketball, you can shoot 30 times and still walk out the gym with 60. You know, in baseball, I got four chances to hit if they want me to hit. Mm-hmm. It's the only sport that defense has the ball. Damn. So if they don't want you to play, you don't have to play. So what what was – I'm transitioning to, you know, your passions right now. One of them, you mentioned Augusta. How, what's your best handicap? How good have you gotten in golf? Uh, I was down to a 2-1. Okay. All right. I never got <laughs> – I got down to a 2-7. Yeah. Now I'm back to an 8. Yeah. It's, it's gone. Uh, you got young kids. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right? It'll come back. They just yeah. be in the way. Yeah. When they, start, when they start going to high school and you got to drive them to school, it's only high school because then they, you know, they gone all day. True. You can't do it on a half day. You know, when they gone the whole day, when you got to pick them up at like six, then your golf game's going to get better. Right, right, right. Like, so- like my son's sophomore year, Tevin's sophomore year, I think I played 249 rounds. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he played every day except the weekend. <laughs> what you mean? His game was on Friday. <laughs> oh, wow. You living a life. And, and what's your uh, top five favorite golf courses? Ooh. Top five. All right, we're going to go with not in any particular order. No no order. Okay. Uh Old Head. Mm. Grove. Ooh. Jordan. Let's go with Cypress. Ooh. That's a one. Yeah. Pebble when it's tournament time when it's really nice. 
Like when it's like 65 is really nice. Spyglass better than uh, Yeah, but not when it's tournament time, though. <laughs> I ain't seen it tournament time, so I'm, I'm rocking. I, I, I got you. I got you. I understand. Uh, I'd probably put Pine Valley in there. Pine Valley's the hardest golf course in the universe. It's the, that day you must have hit the ball a little crooked. <laughs> I wasn't that good, but I could. It's blind shots. And it was the first time in my life I did exactly what the caddy told me to do, and I couldn't find my ball. He said I hit it too far. You shoot with with people's hands and feet in your face, and you can't hit a blind shot. <laughs> no, no, I mean like you got you got blind uh, blind landing yeah. areas, and mm-hmm. so if if those are the those are the courses where it's like <laughs> hit it at that cloud. And I was like, I ain't. Yeah. That's my weakest spot off the tee. But I did exactly what he said, and he was like, perfect. As it's in the air, ball nowhere to be found. Like that's how tricky that golf course is. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a tough one. But great course. I gotta go. I wasn't that good yeah. when I played it, so I got to get back. <laughs> Maybe they'll they'll let us go back. I'm sure you can call somebody. <laughs> <laughs> They'll let us come back. All right, all right, all right. We we gonna work on that. Um, well, we talk a lot about like athletes and you know how do you network, build relationships. Um, talk to us about you know what you did for Nike and how that relationship is still going today. Um, I think when you you look at it, it it's very simple. You just got to be you. You know, people don't understand that that. What you see is what you get. You know, I'm I'm not changing. You know, I I enjoy what I I did. You know, um, yes, I understand that certain times I have to be an adult about certain things, but you know, I I love the game of, of baseball. I love football. I love basketball. You know, I don't I don't compare eras. You know. You can't tell me, you know, uh, Michael could have done this and LeBron could have done that and Willie Mays could have done this and Hank Aaron. You know, they played in that era and that's who you compare them to, the, the guys that they're playing against. Mm. I don't, uh, uh, you know, and people go, ah, that's, that's not true. I go, it is true. Because how many home runs would Hank Aaron and Willie Mays hit if they didn't worry about getting knocked down by Bob Gibson? You know, if you're not worried about getting knocked down, you sit in a rocking chair all day. Ah. You know, you, your swing's a little tough, a little lighter. You right. can go and, and swing for the fences, you know, compared to, you know, you know, you make one swing, swing and a miss, and they're like, oh, okay, take this one with you, you know. Um, so I, I've had a hard time comparing, you know, different eras because I think that the rules have changed, the the guidelines have changed. The, the the people have changed. The training has changed. And, and so I just look at it in a way that, you know, I let the guys, you know, enjoy what you're seeing. And I know that people have to talk about it. I'm just not that one. Uh, but, you know, Nike has been with me from day one. You know, the Lynn Merritt. Uh, and, and the Tolan family are my kids' godfathers and and, mm. and godparents, you know. And 
Um, you have a guy who played against my dad, Bobby Tolan, and, and you have Lynn who has been, and you know, the general, yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, he's, you know, when the, the funny thing is when, uh, uh, Kyrie was, was, was hot. That's my daughter's favorite player at the time. Uh, her favorite player is AI and then Kobe. Uh, but when he was, uh, hot, you know, the, there would be a package of, of size eight girls basketball shoe in her team colors. And I'm like, they didn't make that in the skew. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm looking at skew going and I go, never mind. And my boys would be like, he don't do that for me. I'd be like, cause you're not a girl. <laughs> you know, you ain't going to take care of him later on in life. Like she go take care of. But, uh, when you, you look at it, the Nike is more, they've been more of a family. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got hurt, they were always there. When, when things happened, they were there. When, uh, the hall of fame, they were there. So any big part of my career, it was always, you know, uh, uh, Dana, Bill Frechette, you know, Lynn always there watching, uh, uh, and making sure that I was okay. And also too, they gave you some of the best, uh, marketing, you know, commercials too, as well. The, the 1996, uh, Griffey for president and all that. What well, yeah, went into that uh, and some uh, of the marketing things? I know you say you want to be organic, but you guys set a lot of tones, even in regards to just like the turtleneck. Yeah, New Jersey or the swing man, it replicated the jump man. But they're talking about the number one thing is your hat backwards and all that. Uh well, uh, there's a lot of things that you know, um, certain rules that you know everybody got to have some sort of swag. Yeah, you know, some you always got to be different. Uh, but the main thing about me is I wanted my game to be different. You know, if you're going to say, oh, he wore his hat backwards, he was disrespectful. No, I wore my hat backwards because I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to wear my dad's hat. And my dad had a fro and I had a peanut head and the bill of the hat kept hitting me in the face. So I turned it around. If you look at early, you can see all my early pictures. I was showing a whole bunch of forehead because that's the way I wore it. Now, as you get older, that thing start going down. Now, my forehead ain't that. But, but, you know, I still got a whole lot of hair. But. You know, the, the, I wanted to be like my dad and that was the way I wore my hat. The mock turtleneck, um, you know, I had a, a, a gold chain, a little BMW gold chain that you'll see, uh, from my rookie card. I still had that little gold chain, by the way. Wow. Uh, it kept hitting me, kept hitting me in the face. So I said, I gotta, I'm still gonna wear it. I just gotta put something on it to, to knock it down. So I started wearing a mock turtleneck. I wore it in A-ball. So it wasn't like I was doing something different when I got to the big leagues. The only thing I did when I got to the big leagues is I made my pants a little longer. That was it. Because, you know, in the minor leagues, you got to show six inches, and I got a chance to custom my pants and say I want them 30-fold length. That's real. So now you're on a a new position. Obviously, you work with the the Mariners in the position you you have now, but – Last year was an, the inaugural um, year of your Griffey Classic. Can you talk about that and how that came about and, um, you know, going from trailblazing paths to continue to do so for the future? I think, you know, in, in basketball, it, it's, it's a lot different than baseball. I mean, basketball, you get a full ride. Uh, if you could play, it doesn't matter, Division One, Two, or Three. 
in baseball, you know, you get 11.7 scholarships. A lot of these kids play other sports because they can get a full ride. And we're losing a lot of uh, kids who love the game of baseball and want to be a part of baseball because of the, the, the amount of scholarships. And I just wanted them to be seen. I, you know, I was fortunate enough that my dad played and I was able to amplify what he started. But my dad has also taught me how to give back. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom and dad were like big on, hey, this is what you do. And you got to give back to the kids who are less fortunate. And with that, I was like, well, let me do something that, that you know, is fun. And it could be seen. And, and last year's HBCU Swingman Classic was a blast. Uh, we had a lot of kids. Um, we had six kids um, in the draft that went to teams, hoping it gets bigger and better. Um, you know, you want all, all these kids are asking is an opportunity to be seen. They're not asking for an opportunity to, to play. They want to showcase their talent like everybody else. And when people say, hey, it's it's uh, uh, historical black college, there are a lot of other groups of, uh, of people that go to historical black colleges. And they want to be seen. Not everybody can go to a power five and, and spend thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, you know, trying to play baseball. You know, sometimes it comes down to, hey, I want to get my degree. But I still love the game of, of, of baseball and basketball, football. You know, you look at Division Three basketball, where these kids are still paying, you know, to play basketball. They are paying to play basketball. Uh, um, and the same thing, paying to play baseball. You want to give those guys the opportunity to go out there and the showcase against the, the, the guys who, who got the scholarships. Because they're just as hungry as the, the, the guys who did get a Division One offer. Well, before we let you go, I got one question. You still got beef with the Yankees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I got more Yankee friends than any other team. <laughs> mm. 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 Uh, New York. But you just won't see me wearing a Yankee hat. Nah, that makes sense. I mean, you can wear your own hat. That's why the logo <laughs> was created, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Ken, hey, we appreciate you. Thanks for uh, coming on. No it's problem. Thank a, you, a guys. big honor. Thanks for giving us yes. your time. For real. Yes, it's yes. No unbelievable. For Use real. the reason why I made it pro. And we work on that pro. golf date. All right. Yes, sir. Nah. Yes, sir. We no, no, it. no. You made it pro. <laughs> yeah. Yo, and... Because you, your, your butt was dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And when Thank you, you and when you robbed the home run uh, in little big leagues, you killed a six year old me. <laughs> I couldn't believe you did that. <laughs> I was hurt, man. I remember that. I was hurt. Hey, I apologize. <laughs> man, I was hurt, man. Billy Haywood. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you joining us, fam. It wasn't my and, uh, fault. I had it's the only time I could be a villain. Oh, it's true. <laughs> Uh, that is true. That is really true. Well, you weren't. I I, I blame Randy Johnson. I ain't blame you for real. So don't worry. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Right, right. You take care. Preach. Tell the, tell the family say hello and bear down. Yeah, All right. Okay. Without a ball, it's just a court, and without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best for your next pregame. 
Let's share a twist on a classic, the Hennessy Margarita, a squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it and enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. 